Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 156 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony. And we're glad to be back for another episode of 2023, episode 156. We got some new beers. We got Isaiah, the end of Isaiah coming up later tonight. But before we get to all of that, Michael, man, how has your week been? My week has been crazy. Uh, Just super busy as always um with work stuff uh my oldest son at home he is uh getting into that defiant four mm. you know? so yeah the not listening that. and not wanting to do what we're asking him to and oh, throwing yeah. tantrums and you know you've had you got two kids so i do um it's it's fine it's just part of part of it and uh but we're we're excited for uh just another week to to get rolling here on the podcast yeah how about you 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 started your week off with a great uh a great monday yes so um, i'm i'm wearing last year's shirt tonight but on monday night my georgia bulldogs beat the ever loving dog snot <laughs> Out of the TCU Horned Frogs, <laughs> that was like and, that was like watching a kid playing Uno for the first time, who thinks they're about to win. Yes, and then you've got like draw four, draw four, <laughs> draw four, draw reverse, four, wild reverse. reverse, skip a turn. Like those are the only cards in your hand. That was there was about five minutes there in the first quarter where I was like, okay, TCU's. This this could be a game, yeah, and and it, it and it not. all came apart. It, it was not so. <laughs> kudos to Georgia, the first, def, the first back to back champion in the college football playoff. That's year. right. That they are. Did you see? Uh, if you made it all the way to halftime, I realized like if you're not a Georgia fan or a TCU fan, you probably tuned out the game by halftime. But at halftime, David Pollock and Nick Saban are sitting at the desk and David Pollock says, uh, Georgia has taken over college football and you could see like visibly Nick Saban was like, I'm going to murder you with my eyeballs right now. <laughs> like that was what I was didn't going see it live, happen. but I've seen it after the fact. And that's pretty funny, but I mean, you can't argue Georgia hasn't lost a regular season game since the COVID year. That's true. And they, the only game they lost was the sec title game last year. That's the only game they've lost. That's mm-hmm. the only game they've lost since twenty, like mid twenty twenty. Yes. So, I mean, this is the kind of stuff Alabama did for the last ten years. Yes. As a Tennessee fan, I'm hoping that uh, Georgia doesn't continue to just <laughs> do this. So hey, we'll see. Look, we'll see what twenty twenty three holds. In twenty twenty four, when they go to a twelve team playoff, it liable to end up being. Four SEC teams in the finals every year. That's that's entirely possible. I think they will do everything in their power to prevent that from happening. Oh, I'm sure they will, but inevitably it's gonna it's gonna play out at least once where four SEC teams make it. Because think about it, like the whole reason they came up with the playoff was to have a non-SEC SEC championship game. Like that was the whole point. Mm-hmm. And then in 2018 and in 2020, we had both SEC teams in. 
So did we did see, it twice. <laughs> do you see what Josh Heupel, the head coach at Tennessee, our listeners don't care about this, but we can do. Uh, <laughs> we, Josh Heupel, we don't care if they don't care. <laughs> the head coach at Tennessee, um, he was on a podcast and they asked him, okay, how do you, how would you fix the playoff? And he goes, it's simple. Put the four best SEC teams in. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean. I'll, I'll be honest. Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, and LSU would have been a much better playoff than what we had. <laughs> well, the see, that's the thing that like the first two games were fantastic. Yeah. The the semifinal games, those were both great, which is kind of the first time that's ever happened that those mm-hmm. two games were good. And then that the championship was a, a blowout of yeah. epic proportions. So <laughs> um again, congrats, Georgia. Yes. Um, you know, you it took 41 years to get your you know first one in a long time. Now you got two in a row. So maybe let someone else play with the ball for a while. Um <laughs> the good news is we're not losing 15 players to the draft this year. So boom, I'm happy about that. We're only gonna lose like six. Well, you know, Tennessee's losing like a few too. So anyway, yeah. Um let's get into our beer review. Stop talking about football because we could talk about football for a long time. And like I said, maybe our listeners don't want that. If you do want that, let us know. Um, right. Anthony, what are you drinking tonight? So tonight I found we've uh, I have done. Actually, we did uh, a Cigar City brewing beer before. And I was perusing the store, my local public store. And I saw this one and it looked really fun. So I was like, I'm going to pick it up. It's called Cosmic Crown. And it is a this is what they call it. It's a Belgian style, strong golden ale. Hmm. And I do like golden ales. Uh, so I was like, well, I wonder what a strong Belgian style golden ale is. That, that should be pretty good. But here's how they describe it. It says we've taken inspiration from beyond the cosmos for this golden, huge, strong golden ale and added galaxy hops to impart a passion fruit and peach qualities to its profile of ripe fruit and light peppery spice. Hmm. This deceptively devilish beer is of formidable strength delivers tropical notes and a hint of spice that's enjoyed by princes and paupers alike comes in at 9% ABV uh, got 36 IBU. So I, that may, I'm not, I can't, I don't even never know how to rate the IBUs anymore. Cause sometimes I like them. Sometimes I don't it just depends. Yeah. But it's a strong one. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely going to be a strong one. So I'm kind of excited to try it out, but cosmic, Crown from Cigar City Brewing is what I've got. What do you have on tap for tonight? I have from Untitled Art, a new brewery company. I'm not sure what they are to the podcast. Um, they are based in Wanakee, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I have the OG Fruited Sour is what they call it. It's a sour ale with orange juice, passion fruit juice, guava puree, and natural flavors. Comes in at 6%. 6% ABV um, and their website had no information about their specific beers, but it looked like it had a, had like a link to untapped to mm-hmm. click on. So, um, but yeah, just, I just have a fruit sour and I'm excited about that, that because I love <laughs> sours. So, um, I mean, it's been two weeks since I gave something a five. So no, I, yes, it's been two weeks since I gave, yep. I'm trying to remember the last thing I gave five. Um, the Christmas cart we yeah. nail. That was back before Christmas. So last because we had the whole week's off thing. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> it's been a couple episodes. So it's time for another five. Go. That's what I'm trying to say. We'll see. I guess we'll so see. Well, let's crack let's, these things open and see what we've got. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. Mm. Smell test is pretty good. Oh, that's a beautiful flavor. I said flavor, beautiful color. I uh, intentionally poured mine aggressively, trying to get the get all the bubbles out. Yeah, me too. Even though we didn't win the World Series this year, I am drinking. I'm also drinking out of my Atlanta Braves World Series cup tonight. So I'm just drinking out of an Angry Orchard cup. For me, this is called Champions Night. <laughs> Angry Orchard won something for us too. That's right. So I, I've got a champion. It's a champion as well. Mine smells like orange juice, which is exciting. I mean, it's made with orange juice, so that makes sense. But yeah, I, I this, like me some orange juice. 
This one has a really interesting, like it almost has a a cider smell to it. Hmm. This didn't you this say had a bunch really of fruit stuff in it? Well, it it says it's got um, fruit notes. Oh, fruit notes. So it's got like these fruit notes. It's it's not. It doesn't actually. It's not made with fruit. Um, but it says its profile is of ripe fruit and light peppery spice. Hmm. Has passion fruit and peach qualities. Dude, that thing is like that looks like orange juice. Holy smokes! <laughs> it looks like um, an orange Julius. Nice. Mine is. I don't know if you can, you can see the color. Mine's got a really, oh yeah, nice color to it. Yeah. Well, shall we turn them up? We shall. Let's do it. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. This is going to be weird. You know what this tastes like? Um, no. You don't because you're not here trying it with me. So, <laughs> um, this, I'm hoping this, you say a cosmic brownie because that would be amazing. That would be amazing. No, it does not taste at all like a brownie. Dang it! But it does taste like a bolder, richer version of classic city lager. Really? Yes. It does. It's. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to simmer on mine for just a minute. But like the initial when I put when I tasted it, I was like, "Oh man, I'm getting classic city lager vibes from this thing right now." Mm. Well, I can go ahead and go because I'm pretty locked in. What you got on yours? So, um, I mean, to me, it's going to be five Luthers just because of because of what it is. Um, <laughs> And you not love the five Luther sours. <laughs> well, I, lo- I love the sours, but this one tastes like like this tastes like a brunch, almost mimosa kind of deal. Yeah, which a mimosa done well, I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, the orange juice flavor is perfect. The, um, the other notes are there; they're not like as strong. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> the orange juice is definitely the star of this thing. Um, but the sour texture and the sour flavor is really good. Um, it's really light and crisp. As a, I, I think a sour should be pretty light and crisp like that. So yeah. Um, but this is this is good. I, I mean, I I feel like I'm you get a five and you I'm Oprah Winfrey <laughs> five solid beers out there. But this is good. This is a this is a five Luther beer for me. Nice, nice. If you can get the OG fruited sour from Untitled Art. And you like sours, try it. Try it and get it and enjoy it. Yes, all the things. Nice. So the Cosmic Crown is, it has a really good flavor and a really good texture. Um, It reminds me of the Classic City. And I scrolled back to see Classic City got four Luthers for me. I wanted, Mm -hmm. I was, because I was, I had a range in my mind. I was like, I'm going to see what I gave, what I, see if I can remember what I gave Classic City. And that gave it four. So this one is right in the vein. It's got a, little bit different flavor profile um it definitely has that uh, like a fruity twist mm-hmm. it's almost like classic city with a with a just a little bit of a fruity twist on it okay um coming in at nine i'm probably going to try to drink this a little bit slower than i normally would <laughs> um just because i don't want to get saucy um i'm already spicy enough this week anyway uh so i'm going to come in i'm going to give this thing four luthers uh, because it's really good. It's got good flavor. Um, you know what? No, I'm going to give it four and a half. I didn't want to go higher than, than classic city, but this thing is just, it's a little bit better. The, the, wow. The boldness of the flavor is really good. Um, and, and it's, it's the, I mean, the texture that Belgian style beer, it's, it's almost like, so think about it this way. It's like a classic city lager with a blue moon texture. Okay. I bet if you put an orange slice in this, it would be amazing. I bet it would be five Luthers if you put an orange slice in it. <laughs> well, you should try so, that and let us know how that goes. I might, because I have five more of these. So 
four and a half. I'm going to give this thing four and a half because it is really good and, and uh, I am enjoying it. So four and a half Luthers on this, the Cosmic Crown from Cigar City Brewing. Good job, Cigar City, on that one. Uh, the Sour, the OG Sour coming mm-hmm. in with five. The Cosmic Crown coming in with four and a half. It's a strong week this week. We've been, I mean, so far we've had two fours, a four and a half, and a five. 2023 starting off right. It is. So um, after this short musical break, we will continue our discussion in the book of Isaiah. We'll wrap up Isaiah tonight. Um, and uh, hold on, hold on tight because we're going to be <laughs> flying through some of this a little bit just because of how it's much a lot to cover. <laughs> there's a lot to cover and however long it takes us to do. So um, stick around with us and we'll be right back. Welcome back. We are going to dive into the remaining like eight bazillion chapters of the book of Isaiah tonight. No, there's really not that many. It's about 40, almost 40 chapters, like 38 chapters to finish up tonight. Um, but we do, we divided up because it was just so much to talk about and we wanted to do justice to the whole book because it's a really good book and um, deserves to be discussed properly. So um, just going to kind of remind everybody where we are. Um, there are two major divisions of of Isaiah. We talked a little bit about, uh, I don't know that we really talked about the divisions last week. We just kind of introduced the first first section of it. But there are two major divisions. Most people divide it. You got chapters 1 through 39, and then uh, chapters 40 through 66. And so the first 39 chapters are really all about judgment on Jerusalem um, and the threat of Babylonian exile, you that begins to come into the the picture there around 39 and 40 and into the second half. Um, and then the second half, 40 through 66, is like this promised future, um, the restoration, the new Jerusalem, the new hope, the promised Messiah. Uh, all of that comes in the later half of the uh of the book of Isaiah. And of course, you you have chapter we talked about it last week, chapter nine, which is the you know wonderful counselor, mind of God. All of that is a prophecy about Jesus, but you really get heavy when you start talking about Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. All of that comes there at the end of the book. Um, and so we stopped last week at chapter 28, and you're like, well, Anthony, why did y'all do that? Because the division is chapter 39, and we did that really for, for a purpose because in chapters 28 and on, um, there, there's a shift. You're still talking about judgments in chapter 28, so it technically does still belong with the first section of the book. Um, but as you get 28 through really 38, you start to transition and see you're talking about judgments while at the same time talking about the future hope, and you kind of you're going to have this shift that happens. And so um, there are scholars who believe that 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 two different people wrote Isaiah um and and they have their reasons for believing that I personally think it was all one person and it, you know it may have been Isaiah the prophet but we're recording the words of Isaiah the prophet so it could have been a scribe could have been but I I think that it is there is one train of thought through the whole book and and I think you can see that in the transitory nature of chapters 28 through 39. Um, because you, it doesn't just go section A judgment and stuff, boom, hardline section B, you know, uh, trans, you know, transition into future mm-hmm. hope and future, future stuff. It's not like that. And, and I don't know, I guess in my brain, it just, it tells me if it was two different people, there would be like a hard line you'd be able to tell. And there's not really a hard line. I, I feel like there's this transitional section that takes you from where you were to where you're going. So. Um, there's there's a little bit uh, about probably some of the stuff nobody cares about when you start talking about textual criticism of us of Isaiah, but uh, that is what it is. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna just gonna pick up where we left off. We're gonna start in chapter twenty eight. We're gonna walk through the rest of the book. 
Um, if you missed all of our setup and, and advice for all that, go back and listen to, to part one first because we're not going to rehash all that. Um, but just diving right in, let's get let's get into chapters uh, 28 through 33. We see this woe against Ephraim and Judah. Um, and the woe is because they trusted in Egypt. So Judah is being called to account for their sins. Um, there's sections in these chapters that are themed and kind of referenced back to or could be referred back to chapter 6 through 12. Um, so you see this kind of recapitulation of ideas that have already come out of Isaiah. Um, and it's not really it's not really about the reckoning for sin, even though that does happen. There is that judgment and you you have to have that. But like like I said, when we get this transition, there's also now included with that reckoning a, a promised hope for a future. There's there's you know, it's 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 not like you're just pronouncing judgments over and over and over again. It's like you're pronouncing a judgment and then you're saying, but and and kind of including some future stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And so um, we start to see that in chapters 32 and 33. And then chapters 34 and 35, um, we move into judgment against the nations. Uh, we talk a little bit more about the future of Zion. Um, and even though there is judgment present in the section, you start to really see the struggle of Israel and how they have endured and going through um, the trials and tribulations that they are going through, which is realistically their own fault. I mean, it's their disobedience. So they're going through it um, because of their own sin that that they're having to reckon with. Um, but ultimately, we begin to see and, and we start to see it even in, even more in chapters 34 and 35, this picture of there is hope, there is hope. Yeah. And you and you start to see that 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 talk come into the picture here. So take us through the next next few sets of chapters here as we talk through Isaiah. So we get to chapter 36 in uh, 36 through 39. Um, we uh, have the trusting God with Assyria and failing to trust him with Babylon. Um, the narrative here is, is uh, repeated in Second Kings, and this is kind of going to be a recurring theme, not just in Isaiah, but in a lot of the prophets is that. Mm-hmm. A lot of what they are writing about has already been, we've already discussed yeah. in other Old Testament books. You go back to Kings and Chronicles and um, the his, almost the histories. Yep. Um, and you know the prophets are doing kind of doing like a deep dive into mm-hmm. what we've already discussed in the past. Um, so that's what's going on here in this section. Second is Second Kings eighteen through twenty is the uh, <clears throat> the chapters here from. Uh, Isaiah 36, 39. That's the, that's the reference there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you see, we have Hezekiah trusting God and listening to the warning of Isaiah about Assyria. And just when you think it might get back on track, he doesn't listen to God and trust him regarding Babylon. Wait, so, put on your shocked face. Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> we're doing the, we're doing the thing where they trust. Where we don't and, listen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they listen for a while and then decide, no, we got it. And then God says, ha ha, funny. Um, so you guys are idiots. Yeah. It, I mean, how long we've been doing this? How long have we been doing this study? Um, the book by book, because oh, it man. feels like, it feels like every week we talk about like, <laughs> somebody doing something good for a while and then deciding to try to do it on their on their own and then not doing not not going well and they have to face the consequences and then they repent and go back like it's almost oh, like total depravity is a thing almost i don't know <laughs> i might be anyway. weird for thinking that but whatever you know anyway so and then we get into chapter 40 um in mm-hmm. chapter 40 here is actually broken into two different sections we have um Verses one through eleven kind of introduce um, the next uh, the next part of Isaiah, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it kind of it sets up the sex the second Exodus. I'm sorry, the second <laughs> Exodus. Um, in verses nine through eleven, God is the shepherd who's going to bring his people home. He's going to guide them yeah. uh, back to where they are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of chapter forty, and then. Uh, chapter 41 is the consolation of Israel. Um, God opens up here contending with his people about his greatness. Um, and even in this contention, um, there's hope coming from the promised servant and the cons- and the consolation 
um, is for Israel. Yeah. Yeah. So we pick up here and we, we start getting into chapter 42. We go 42 through 44. Um, we see that Israel is uh, the reluctant servant uh, to the nations. And, and of course, as, as Isaiah keeps going, we're going to learn about the servant, you know, God's chosen servant, which is obviously Christ. Um, and, and he's going to be the example, but, we're going to compare that to what Israel is constantly and constantly. Israel is that same cycle that you just talked about. They repent and do start doing things right. And just when you think they're going to get it right, boom, they go off the tracks again. Um, and we all act surprised that it happened again. I mean, it, but it's a picture of us too. Yes, exactly. Like it's, a, it's a picture of just <laughs> humanity in general. So we should all get down off our high horse because we are Israel. We are not. <laughs> We are no better. <laughs> we are no better. Um, but there's going to be some things that we're going to start to pick up on right here in these these couple of chapters. We're going to see God's redemption for Israel, um, and the out per, outflow of that redemption is going to be that they are to serve the nations. Um, and then you see Israel that in these sections is really referred to as deaf and blind, which is interesting. I'm, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But um, they are reluctant to receive the redemption. Um, and then we see the theme that God is God alone is the God. He is the one God. He defeats all other pagan gods, you know, mm -hmm. gods that they make up. Um, think back to the Exodus in the first Exodus and Pharaoh in Egypt when, you know, the 10 plagues and how that basically was just a, a destruction of the Egyptian gods is what it was, uh, showing that they had no power. And then, and then we're going to, see the second exodus and and it's going to be brought about and god's going to talk about how it's brought about for by his hand and for his glory yeah um and so it's, i want to go back to for just a second that that idea that that israel is deaf and blind and you know if we think about somebody it's who's deaf that means they're unable to hear they have an inability to hear and if we talk about somebody who is blind they have an inability or they are unable to see, mm -hmm. you know, then we talk, skip over to something like Ephesians and it says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And so when somebody is dead, they are unable to be alive. And so I, I, I want to draw that comparison because I think it's, it's important language that, that helps build a consistent theology. Um, and that is that in our current state, we are unable to do anything for ourselves, you know, we might make a right decision, but if we do, it's because a, a stopped clock is right twice a day. You know, right. it's, it's not anything that it did. It just happened to be right. <laughs> right. Um, and so, you know, think about that in, in our lives and, and how we are. And if it wasn't for the work of the Holy spirit, if it wasn't for the movement of God, we would not be able to accomplish anything. And so for Israel, who's the reluctant servant, if it wasn't for Christ coming in and, and being that example and setting the record straight for Israel, there'd be no hope for anybody. Because eventually, as we get down further in this, we're going to see that it's not just about Israel. It's it's for the nations, too. Yeah. And so so I just, you know, as, as I was reading through and thinking about the notes on this, that, I think that's an interesting parallel that we see in Isaiah and how that relates to us as individuals, as people. Um, how we can relate to Israel. We, you know, we are deaf and blind. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And like I said, it's what uh, Ephesians says. But so that's chapters 42 through 44, some of 44, and then we get all the way down into the end of 45. Um, and this is interesting because we talk about God's chosen deliverer and he raises up Cyrus. And what this section does is it really reaffirms God's intentions to use whomever he will, however he will, for whatever purposes he wants to use them for. And it it really reiterates the concept of God's sovereignty, that he can bring any conclusion out of any situation that he sees fit to bring out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Cyrus, in this section, he just like the rest of us, he has to recognize it. And it says this in this section here, it says, I am the Lord and there is no other. That's what we have to recognize about God. He is God and there is no other. We're not God. We can't pretend to be God. We can't think like God. 
we don't have any concept. The only thing we are that gives us purpose and meaning is we are the image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. He put his image in us as his special creation. And so we have to honor that in ourselves and in each other uh, and in other people. But but there's nothing that we can do because God is God and he's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. And it's as simple as that, you know. So that gets us down through 45. Take us through the next couple of sections. So the next few chapters uh, through 48, we have God's disputation with stubborn Israel. Um, he God announces the fall of Babylon and his contention with Israel for their disobedience and stubbornness. Um and then in the next couple of cha- uh, chapters through uh, chapter 50, uh, we see that God's we have God's servant, uh, the salvation of Israel. So the servant mm-hmm. from here is narrowed down to a single person. Um, and we're getting very close to like prophetic language here. So, yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, the oracles in this section fall along with that Deuteronomic cycle that we've talked about. Since over and over like, <laughs> since like genesis um but the, here isaiah is inviting israel back to obedience so mm-hmm. isaiah is pleading with israel to return to where they should be and where they know they need to be yeah um and we'll see if they <laughs> come back or not um, newsflash they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, they screw it up again. <laughs> and then we get into uh, chapter 51 and part of 52. Uh, we have the glorious future of Zion. Um, mm-hmm. God appeals to the faithful remnant of Israel. So there are some that are faithful and obedient and repentant and doing all the things Isaiah is calling for them to do. Um, yeah. And then Isaiah calls for God to lead the new Exodus. Um and you know this is leading up to Israel's exodus, um, where they must flee Babylon to escape the wrath that is coming from God. That God has oh, God yeah. just told them a few chapters ago, "Hey, Babylon's about to fall. It's coming." <laughs> you know, uh, ready or not, here he comes. So, um, <laughs> there's uh, through half of fifty two, and then. Uh, the rest of 52 through 53, uh, the servant atones for Israel's sins. This new mm-hmm. exodus is accomplished by the work of the servant. That hint, nudge, hint, <laughs> nudge, wink. wink. <laughs> um, and then uh, many new te- passages in the New Testament um, see this passage fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus. Yes. Yes. And when you have. I mean, obviously, everybody knows Isaiah 53 um, and and it's prophecy about Jesus. And mm-hmm. and so there, there's I mean, I don't think we have to explain any of that to anybody. But what this does and, and see see the transition that's happened here in in Isaiah from the mid 40s on. We have this servant who's announced who's coming and then God says he's going to bring redemption to Israel and then you get to Isaiah 53 and hey here he is this is the guy this is the this is what it's going to look like and and that's why a lot of the new testament writers tie that back to him because it's like hey Jesus was all of this FYI just show you know proven mm-hmm. to you guys um but what that does is it again points towards the future which is what 54 picks up in here yeah. you have the future of Zion that is established by this servant okay um, let, let's just think a minute what Christ came to do. You know, he lived on the earth. He lived the life that we couldn't live, died the death that we deserve, uh, for the purpose of reconciling man back to God. Mm-hmm. And so that is what opens the door for the future, the eternal side of what Zion, or remember where we can use Jerusalem and Zion kind of interchangeably. Um, <clears throat> but when he accomplishes that through his death, burial and resurrection, that establishes that future. That's fulfillment of that promise. That's, you know, the prophecy's coming. So, you know, we can believe this. And and there's people who were in Babylon who are now in Zion, and they've been transferred through this, the, the servant. Okay. If you go from 53 into 54, 
or really 52 into 54, you're going to see people who are in, in Babylon. Now they're in Zion. And this reminds me of, and I'm going to, I'm going to grab my Bible real quick, because this reminds me of Colossians chapter one. And we have what's called the Christ hymn there in Colossians chapter one. I'm going to try to find Colossians real quick while I'm talking. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Here we go. So Colossians chapter one, it says, um, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation for by him, all things were created both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, and it keeps going. But And, and they call that section the Christ hymn. But I wanted to focus on that. He transferred them from the domain of darkness into the domain of light. And mm-hmm. so there's there's this parallel and there's this language right there that's that ties the the New Testament and Old Testament together. In the Old Testament, there's people going from Babylon to Zion. In the New Testament, it's people going from death to life. In the Old Testament, they're going through the servant. In the New Testament, they're going through Christ. Yeah. Christ is the fulfillment of that. And and it just shows over and over and over again how scripture. I mean, this was written by Paul. Yes, Paul knew Isaiah. Maybe, I mean, maybe Paul drew on it because he had intimate knowledge of the book of Isaiah. Yeah. Um, but but it still shows you how scripture from beginning to end continues to paint this story of creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Yeah. And you see this narrative, this meta-narrative of scripture that we've talked about through this whole entire study of how scripture paints. Mankind and how our story works out: creation, fall, redemption, consummation. We see it again right here, um, just in this section. And so um, we see the future of Zion here, and then you skip on into chapter fifty-five, and the call goes out. So the servant completes his thing. The new Zion is established, and then the call goes out. Think of think of the establishment of the church. Think of the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. You know. When Christ uh, rises from the dead and ascends, what's the next thing that happened? You read the book of Acts, and boom, the church is is yeah, it's the ground running. Yeah, um, and so we see that, and and the goal of the church, the the purpose of the church is to go into all the earth. See Matthew twenty eight, go into all the. I give you all authority. Go into all the earth, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth, preaching, teaching, disciple making, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of that comes into play right here. Mm-hmm. And you can see that in the invitation to the nations. This is a plain call for the salvation of people, all people, not every person, all people. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference. You know, yeah. we, we, you know, it's, all people are not going to be saved because if they were, we would be universalists and we're not universalists. The call can go out, but people will or will not respond to it. Right. So, um, that gets us through 55 into 55. Take us at 56 next couple of sections. So here the next few is we get into um, more discussion about an instruction for how to live life, like your daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, 56 through 59 is a description of true Sabbath keeping and fasting. Mm-hmm. Um this really begins the final section of oracles here. Um, and uh, remember back to the themes that we've talked about from uh, the beginning of Isaiah and the middle of Isaiah regarding idolatry and justice. Mm-hmm. Um, those are going to come up again here. Um, in the next few chapters, uh, next few chapters, 60 through 63, we have the uh, future glory of Zion and God's anointed one. Um here the focus is is the focus is on the future of Zion and Israel through the Redeemer. Hint, hint, wink, wink, <laughs> nudge. Um, and then the next couple of chapters through 64, um, God's people pray. And, mm-hmm. and this is an example of how God's people should pray in expectation of God to work and move. Um, you know, we just it's been a few weeks now since this has happened, but the whole thing with Damar Hamlin. Yeah, the player for the Buffalo Bills who had the medical episode during a game on the field, and you know, all over the country, people were praying for him, and he's mm-hmm. ma- he's making miraculous strides in recovery, and um, 
that shows the power of God and, and what yeah. prayer can do. Um, but I think too, like a lot of times we get caught up in praying in moments of tragedy or moments of like dire need like that. Yeah. But God wants to move in the mundane. Like yeah. God, God <laughs> wants you to talk to him about the stupid stuff that you're dealing with every single day, <laughs> you know, and it shouldn't just be during times of tragedy or great yeah. uh, sorrow or whatever that God that you were reaching out to God to mm-hmm. for him to move. Like God wants you to ask him to move in your daily life. So yeah. Um, it's cool to see things like the Damar Hamlin thing, how he's making the recovery mm-hmm. and how that kind of really joint, like, People join together to pray for him mm-hmm. all over the country, but also don't just pray when things are yeah. tough or whatever. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting that that happened, and and then there was the the widespread response. Mm-hmm. You know that we should that we should and and I'm not at all saying that that was not or that was an incorrect response because I think it was exactly the response that needed to happen. Yeah. Um, but I also think that that exactly what you said, we don't have that response until something tragic happens. Yeah. Because I mean, look at Israel. That's exactly what Israel does. Yeah. They they pray and things get turned around. And then what do they immediately do but think, oh, I can handle this myself now? It's under control. Yeah. So I can handle it now. I think the biggest part of the human experience needs to be that we realize that we have absolutely nothing under control. Right. You may think you do and you may act like you do, but you don't, you know, and until you realize that you don't have it under control and that you need help, it won't push you to do things like what, uh, what it says in the new Testament where it says pray without ceasing. You know, we, we don't have the mindset of praying without ceasing because we think, I, prayer is a tool that I need to go and get God to do something for me. We, yeah. you know, we don't think prayer is a communication thing where we tell God what's on our hearts. You know, yeah. think back to our study of of lamenting and lamentations. You know, we don't think of prayer a lot of times like that. We think of prayer as, "Oh God, I need you to fix something. I need you to do something." And so that's when we turn in prayer. Yeah, but prayer is just this constant communication. That's why it says, "Pray without ceasing," yeah. because it should be a constant thing. God. I, I thank you for this good thing that happened. You know, I thank you for this thing and, and, and I'm really struggling with this thing. And, and it's, but it's, a, it's like a constant conversation. Yeah. You know, I, it, this is terrible for, for me to make this analogy, but I honestly think that prayer is, is almost like a text thread. Yeah. You know, it's, you, you can open up a text thread and see where you left off and like pick up the conversation again. Yeah. Right where you left off. And and text threads are these things that are constantly running and constantly growing and building. And the subjects might change and what you're talking about might shift. And if you have people in the group or it's just you and one other person. But either way, it is a stream of communication yeah. is what it is. And and I, I think there's a parallel there for what prayer should be. It should be a stream of communication. You can You can put it down for a minute. But you're going to come right back to it, and you're going to you're going to text something. Something's going to pop in your mind. It's going to remind you. Oh, I need to text this person, or I need yeah. to, you know, I need to ask this question. And so, that's what prayer does for us as believers. It it, it opens that line of communication back yeah. to God. And and I think we need to think about prayer that way a lot of times because we don't. Yeah, I think too. We, I don't, I don't know. This may be. You may not experience this, Anthony, but like I feel like a lot of time with prayer, like it's got to be like I feel like it has to be super structured, or it has to be oh. like if I don't say the right things, my prayer doesn't work. Like you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, but when you think about it, like I was thinking the same thing while you were setting up your text thread analogy. Like I was thinking, like oh, it's just a text thread, um, <laughs> but like in a text thread, in a text thread you can be so casual with somebody or you can be very formal or you can like, there's room between God doesn't our community, our conversations with God don't have to be these like intricately orated 
huge words, right order, mm-hmm. like perfect, you know, no ums and no <laughs> stammering and no, you know, no backtracking. Like, yeah, our prayers don't have to be that. Our prayers can just be as simple as, like, yes, it's a conversation with the creator of the universe that saved you for, for from your sins and <laughs> eternal damnation. But like. <laughs> It can be as simple as a conversation with your best friend or yeah. a, like like if you're a parent, think about the conversations you have with your kids. Yeah. Like that's the kind of conversation God wants to have with you yes. as as your father. He wants that conversation, that type of conversation with you. Yep. That's and, exactly he's ne- right. and he's never going to turn you away he's never oh you don't you didn't say it right last time i ain't listening now (laughs) and that's like that's a very uh human parent response too oh yeah oh yeah like when your kid doesn't do right last time anyway when your kid's talking back to you not that we have any experience not at all you you just want to (laughs) backhandle Aren't you glad God doesn't backhand us? I'm so glad God doesn't backhand us. <laughs> I mean, he kind of did Israel a couple of times, but I mean, metaphorically yeah. anyway. Anyway, so. At the end of, at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, like we're talking about prayer. This, all of this focuses on God taking people through, through their trials, yes, you yes. know, and, and that's, that's what prayer is designed for us. And, and yes, spending extra prayer time in a trial is not a bad thing. And and everything we just talked about is there's not, we're not saying that's bad, but what we are saying is that should be our constant attitude mm-hmm. because we need God, even in the trials that we don't think we're going through. Yeah. You know, there's more trials than we think we're that, that we're in, but God will always be with his people through the trials yeah. and the nation of Israel and the entire old Testament up until the point that we've read right now, it's proof yeah. of that is, yeah. is, is 100% proof of that. So yeah. only, um, only talking to God in your trials is like only calling your parents when you need something. Yes. And That's I hope a, you don't do that. No. So, but so let's, let's wrap up Isaiah here. We have just a couple more chapters to go. The next chapter 65, we see judgment and salvation. Um, they've just prayed. And God responds to their prayer with a couple of things, a reminder of his faithfulness and a reminder of their faithlessness. And sometimes prayer will make you feel that way. You're like, man, God, this did not make me feel good. That's okay. Yeah, It's okay. That's fine. Because prayer helps put us in our right spot, which is not God. That's what prayer does. So it repositions um, ourselves. Yes. Yeah. So chapter 65 does that the end of 65 and on into the end of 66, wrapping up Isaiah, we see the new Zion, the new heaven, the new earth. We, we compare that. The, there's a lot of parallels between the end of Isaiah and revelation. Feel free to chase that rabbit hole as far as you want to chase it. We're not going to dive into it right now. Um, but what this does is it's basically a final look of the future glory that awaits God's people. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who are in Christ, we have placed our faith and trust in Christ. We have a glorious future. And Revelation tells us all about it. And it's it's going to be great. And and I hope that everybody listening to this will, will join, that they have put their faith and trust in Christ. And if you haven't, please, by all means, send us an email. Uh, sh- send us a message on one of our instances that we're going to tell you about later. But Please, 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 uh, you know, get in touch with one of us because we would be ecstatic to talk to you about what it means to be in Christ. And so um, that's how the book of Isaiah wraps up and 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 it gives us a great hope and it, it ends on a very positive, you know, let's go mentality and mm-hmm. and uh it's very encouraging book because the i'll be honest the first part of the book you're like oh god this is terrible <laughs> I, i'm struggling here uh but by the end of the book you're like yeah, i'm gonna we're gonna do it um so so yeah there there is isaiah anything else you want to add to that nope sweet 
Welp, I think we should pray. Will you pray for us? I will. Do it. Let's go. Uh, God, thank you for a new day. Thank you for uh, new opportunities to learn more about you, to dive deeper into your word. Thank you for the book of Isaiah and what uh, we've learned the last couple of weeks, um, how you've um, transitioned from judgment to um, providing hope and God, how we can run to you and run to you as our as our source of hope and our source of peace and our source of um, rest and how we can come to you with all of our burdens, big, small. Um, we can come to you when things are going good, when things aren't going good, God, and just talk to you about those things. And I pray that um, we've been challenged. I know I have been challenged to um, just not just pray and not just talk to you when things are when I really need something but God I pray that um, you help us all to um, just be in that constant communication with you that constant conversation um, that is uh, what you've called us to be to be uh, praying without ceasing Um, so God I pray that as we um, think about what we've uh, learned the last couple of weeks over the next few days that we apply it to our lives that we um, look for opportunities to share the love of Christ to share the the hope that comes from knowing you and knowing your son and uh, putting our faith and trust in, in what he's done for us um, so God again thank you for this opportunity to um, to discuss uh, who you are and your word And uh, God, I pray that as we go about our week, that we just uh, look for ways to be more like you and more like your son. Uh, We love you. Thank you uh, again so much for uh, all you do for us each and every day. And we pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anthony, if our listeners want to find us on social medias, where would they do that? You can go to the social media platform of your choice and search us. And if that choice is Instagram, it's beers and Bible underscore. If that choice is Twitter, it's beers and Bible P1. If you're on the Facebooks or the metas or whatever it's called these days, uh, whatever the kids are calling it, uh, you're just going to search beers and Bible podcast. And if you want to really get us uh, the old school way and email us, it's beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send all of your requests and hate mail and um, anything you want to send to us uh, at any one of those. We will gladly accept it, and and we will thank you for your uh, submission, uh, however you want to do that. So there you go. That's where you can find us. Cool. Well, well. (laughs) you want to do it? You want me to do it? (laughs) You do it. (laughs) Until next week. We hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out.